There's less than 10 days left to get your early bird ticket for our retail media conference, Remade. As you'll have probably read in Best of the Week on Saturday, we've announced the team from David Jones as among our speakers as they share their new journey into retail media. Join us in October to hear from the most authoritative voices the retail media world has to offer and book your ticket by next week to save $90. Go to remade.net.au now. Start the week with Unmade. Setting the agenda for the week in media and marketing. Today, a rubbish start to earnings season. Plus, what to expect from this week's results. And a twist in the government's sports siphoning laws. Unmade. It's Monday, August 21st. I'm A Beauty and commiserations to Tim Burrows. Good morning, Abe. Now, are these just commiserations to me generally for being me or something more sporting related? No. Well, as you know, I'm uh, not the world's greatest sporting aficionado, but I did happen to catch the results of the game last night and uh, straight away Spain went they amazing. But um, yes, commiserations to all the English supporters. Yes, it was quite it was quite a depressing weekend, really. Yes, I I sat and watched uh, watched in my, my 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 local general store. We 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 sat and had dinner on Saturday night and watched Australia miss out on the the wooden spoon. And then, of course, yes, England were sadly beaten by the much better be, better team in uh, in Spain. But I I realised they I do have a new sort of sporting tradition. I think what's going to become a great sporting tradition is. Um, the, the the moment when you really know the tournament is over is when you suddenly think, oh, I better go online and cancel my streaming subscription. <laughs> so uh, uh, with a with a monthly renewal, I kind of uh, yeah, sadly halfway through the second half, I was I was on my Optus putting my subscription on pause again, uh, just in the nick of time, actually, because, you know, that was one of the things that made me realise that the, the season ran for a month was it would have renewed today if I hadn't got there. So this is, this, this, this I guess, is my, uh, my public service warning for anyone who subscribed just for the tournament is um, you'll have to move fast if you don't want to get billed for another month. But anyway, how was um, how was how was your non-sporting weekend? My non-sporting weekend was uh, was very busy actually. My daughter turned thirteen, so it was birthday parties and families and all sorts of things. A bit of a busy weekend, but you know, if you can't if you can't celebrate those kind of milestones, then what can you celebrate, Tim? Absolutely. Well, where should we start this week? Well, let's start with earnings season, which kicked off properly last week, and and the market didn't like it. The unmade index was down nearly ten percent for the week. Uh, one of the biggest slides we've seen, perhaps before we talk about what's coming up this week, let's let's recap last week's numbers and and why not start with seven? How did they fare? Yeah, seven have really set the tone, I suppose, for, for what's been a pretty bad um, set of results all around. Um, and the thing is, and this is going to be common to all of them, there were no really unpleasant surprises because you know we talk a lot about standard media index and how they share the numbers each month so everybody sort of knew how they were going um but yeah what we what we saw was uh, profits drop you know way below 300 million again revenues fall again but i think the reason why um the share price of seven which it went down by six more than six percent on the day and then carried on falling and um, why it was just down so much was there was no reason for hope 
there wasn't some big alternative story coming through. You know, it was it was really it felt like a decade of grinding it out. You know, yes, they've got the sports rights all locked in. Um, yes, there is some growth to be had from streaming. But overall, um, it, it yeah, it just it, it felt like a, a story where there was just this struggle to find something to believe in. So, um, so yeah, I, um, yeah, I, 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 I found it a depressing way to start the season really. Mm. And how did SCA Southern Cross Osterio fare? Yeah. A similar one where there were no great surprises, you know, cause we'd, we'd already seen in their numbers for the first half that they were going to be down again, um, which they, they were. So we saw their, um, shares down something like 13 14%. Um revenue fell to basically half a billion dollars. Um which you know it it wasn't a massive jump but it's just been this steady fall in revenue over over the last decade really. Um and EBITDA uh, earnings before interest taxation depreciation and amortization or profits if you want to call it that. That was down to 77 million. Now when you think that a decade ago, the profits were like 211 million. That's, that's literally three times as much. So yeah, SCA have really kind of fallen away. And I think if there were reasons why the share price, you know, was, was then punished, given that most of this was already known, probably two things. Number one, I think people have been hoping that listener would have moved into break even or profitability. Um, and it hasn't yet. They're saying it might do that in the fourth quarter of this financial year. So that will be the kind of quarter that starts, you know, in April, um, 2024. So that's a little while away. And the other thing was they, they reduced the dividends that they pay, pay shareholders, which people, uh, people never like when that happens. So, um, so yeah, no, no huge surprises. The first one from the new CEO, John Kelly. Um, so he was very much, you know, reporting the numbers that, He'd inherited from, you know, his predecessor, um, Grant Blackley, who finished at the end of the financial year. Although, of course, you know, he'd already been with with the business. Um, but um, but yeah, again, not a great sort of scene setter for the uh, for the season. How about an arrow? Yeah, an arrow. So slightly different sector. Um, and I think an arrow is really useful because it's one of the few um uh communications holding companies um that's listed locally well in fact the only one now that um stw aren't on there anymore so it's a really good indicator of what's going on now um overall quite good numbers you know revenue was up profits were up um they they cut their debt down a bit as well um so it really deserved for the number to go up which did in the first few minutes but there was one sort of slightly sort of mm, smelly piece of news i suppose which was um in that big anero group and it's it's it is quite a big group of companies you know the the ones we would probably know best are uh, bmf for instance the creative agency or hotwire the pr agency but there was a you know there was a right old shopping back of a bag of agencies and groups from back when anero was still called photon and one of them was a majority stake in um, a kind of media and technology company called OB Media, um, which they bought back in 2006. Now, that plays in the arbitrage space, which is, 
it's just all a bit grubby. It's where if you're usually a low value publisher, um, you want to serve ads to people, but you need the traffic. So you pay other people to send you traffic and you hopefully pay them less than you're then able to uh, pay the advertisers. And something went down. They're a bit vague in exactly what went down. Um, in the update, it was just OB Media identified lower quality traffic among several publishers and proactively halted traffic, which all seems a very PR way of talking about the fact that they, they, they saw revenues for that division fall from 60 million to 36 million. So I'll give you that number again, it's from 60 down to 36, which clearly is a um something went wrong there something's gone wrong um and now they're having a strategic review of their investment which listening to the conference call is everyone assuming they're gonna sell down their stake and of course the problem is when you're a bit of a forced seller like you know if not literally forced then certainly you know it feels like a bit of a distressed sale I think you can assume they won't get very much for it. So that's probably why Enero's shares sank a little bit as the day went on. And there's more to come this week. Let's start with Omedia, whose results have just dropped as we're recording. Tim, have you had time to digest them yet? <laughs> I have not. And this comes with a caveat. If, if, if people do come back and read Unmade uh, later in the week, I, I do have a call with uh, Cathy O'Connor. The CEO of O Media booked in my uh, calendar for um, uh, that's taking place later on Monday from when we're recording. So I'll have more insights. But yeah, looking looking at the results, I I don't see any huge shocks so far. Um, there was a bit of a profit warning to the market some weeks back, so it was already expected that there would be a a, a little bit of a a dip in revenues, so we were looking out for that. We were also looking out for whether O had lost market share to QMS, which um, has now sort of begun to kind of kick in with the um, City of Sydney contract. Um, so, so yeah, so highlights. Um, and bear in mind that this is just for the half. It's not full year results because um, relatively unusually, O follows a calendar year. Um, so, yeah, what something which does leap up is, although revenue has risen by 7% for the half, so that's to just under $300 million, um, something which does leap out immediately is that the, the underlying EBITDA profit has actually fallen slightly. So I'm just looking at the numbers here. So yeah, so although, as I say, revenue was up to um, 297 million, so just under 300 million, profit has just dipped a little bit from 51.5 million in that first half in 2022 to this time 49.6 million. So that's a 4% dip in profits, which which is um will take a bit of unpacking because it's quite unusual for revenue to go up and profits to go down so i suspect that when the um uh, conference call happens later with um the investment community 
then that will be something that they focus on and something certainly I'll, I'll, I'll be asking Kathy about as well. Um, and then when, when I, as I always do, when I get the investor deck, which again has just dropped is I'll scroll tr straight down to outlook because that's the prediction. Don't see anything too scary in the outlook. Um, out of home is expecting to continue to take revenue share from other media, which in a decline market doesn't say too much. And they're also saying that their media revenue for the third quarter, which is the quarter we're in at the moment, is currently <coughs> pacing at up 7% on the same quarter a year before. So um, no huge surprises. I imagine if we had done the calculation before, we might have been able to predict that um, profits would be down. But that's that's the main thing I'm going to be thinking about is is is. What explains that? Oh, and one other thing I've just noticed as well, they are increasing their dividend payout to shareholders as well, which usually helps with the share price. Mm. And ARN Media, how are they looking? Yeah, so this this, this comes up a bit later um, in the week. Um, just like O Media, ARN um, report on the calendar. So this is just half year numbers. Um, we'll be looking, I guess, for similar cues to the ones we looked at from Southern Cross Austereo, um I'll be looking out for how the integration of regionals going for ARM Media. They 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 obviously bought Grant Broadcasters. Grant Broadcasters or Grant Broadcasting, Abe? You must know that one. Grant Broadcasters. Grant Broadcasters. Thank you. Um, so they bought them um, some months back now. So that integration is beginning to happen there. And I wonder if we will yet hear anything about um, the future of uh, Carl Sanderlands and Jackie O. Um, I suspect a question might again come up in the investor briefing. There obviously was that story the other way suggesting they might go national um, or at the very least into Melbourne as well. So we'll see whether there's any progress on that contract negotiation. That's the sort of thing that investors like hearing about. And finally, while we're still on reporting nine. Yeah, look, I, I, I think for me, I'll be just looking for any sort of signal that suggests a different trajectory to seven. You know, yeah, yes, nine owns Stan as well. So they do have a paid streaming play. But otherwise, you know, just like seven, they own a pub publishing operation, just like seven, they're highly exposed in free to air television. Um just like Seven, they've got some, you know, really big and expensive sporting contracts. So I'm expecting they'll be making a lot of noise about the Olympics because they've got the next Olympics, which starts with Paris next year. Um, but yeah, I'm just looking for a story that suggests that it's something more than just squeezing profits out of a declining medium. So, um, so yeah, so I'm, I'm, yeah, very going to be watching that one or listening to that one with a uh, with a great deal of interest. Next, a big week in TV. Unmade. Lots to talk about in television this week. Tim, let's start with legislation. This is in today's financial review. There's more detail on the government's plans to reform media regulations and including the TV anti-siphoning laws. What does that mean for the free-to-air broadcasters? Yeah, this is, you know, we've we've talked several times about the kind of the government regulations and, and, and media regulations and what's likely to change, of which, yeah, one of the aspects is how the anti-siphoning rules are applied. Now, one of the new things is that while there will still be protection for the free-to-air broadcasters, they won't 
automatically get the streaming rights. So that really potentially does change the dynamic because the free-to-air rights obviously over time becomes less and less relevant. You know, give it 10 years and probably the, the signal will be turned off. I think the BBC in the UK have already said they plan on turning off their transmitters in 2030. Now, I'm sure that date might go back, but that's a, you know, that that's the sort of signal. So as the... Um, as the AFR um, quotes the, the the government green paper, to do so would go beyond the aim of this particular model and would provide free-to-air broadcasters with an additional commercial advantage over other providers of content services. So no automatic digital broadcast rights for the free-to-air players, um, which to me, sort of suggests that the um, the anti-siphoning regime is potentially in its last decade. Part of these reforms will likely see streaming quotas as well. In the SMH this morning, we've seen Netflix getting an early and commissioning new Aussie content. Yeah, and it's not the first time, but there's another round. And, you know, I think they're sort of signalling the fact that whatever quotas they are, they're likely to stay ahead of them anyway. So, so yeah, there's, there's three or four here that they're announcing, including um, uh, Delta Goodrum is playing a sassy seaplane pilot in Love is in the Air, um, which is, I think if you were to ask ChatGPT to come up with, uh, with an idea, it would, be, uh, it would be that sort of thing. There's a, there's a documentary about... Um, a, uh, a Sydney drill group, 1-4, um, whom I'm afraid I know very little about the genre of drill, so um, I probably best to skip forward on that before I just sound like I'm a million years old. Um, there's um, a, a drama, there's The Survivors, which is based on the Jane Harper novel, which is around the inhabits, the inhabitants of uh, Evelyn Bay, 15 years after, after a disastrous storm. The protagonists are forced to face their pasts. Um, and then there's, um, first of all, I read this as Dessert King, and I thought it was a cooking show. But in fact, it's <laughs> Desert King. And it's an epic outback series um, about uh, set on a cattle station and the fight for the property's ownership, which sounds like it 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 could be a little bit of a Australian version of Yellowstone, perhaps. Still with TV, let's turn to the Australian. They've been looking at advertising spend. Where do we start with that one, Tim? Yeah, this one is interesting. It's something we've sort of already touched on a little bit earlier. So um, the Australian's piece, the, the headline is about Australia's big banks sharply cutting back their advertising for home loans. But actually, before we, we dive into that, the thing that really interested me actually was right towards the end, and this is a number that emerged during the week, which is about spending on BVOD, BVOD broadcast video on demand. So this is the free streaming from the, the Think TV players. Um, and um, it, it, the, the, the data showed that spending on BVOD for the year rose by 6.1% to $392 million for the year. Now, two things struck me about that. If this is the big growth sector for television, a 6% rise for the year isn't that amazing, really, because you'd, you'd want it to go up. Now, I, I think the reason for that is probably there were some really big numbers for Seven's Olympics coverage the year before. Um, but the other thing, that, that $400 million, you know, 
I used to think of, or you know, used to think of it because it was what it was. But the think the uh, the free to air TV market used to broadly be worth four billion dollars a year. So four hundred million in Bvod. That's only about ten percent. So it does feel like Bvod is a long way from being the savior of the TV industry. And as you mentioned, the uh, the banks have been decreasing their overall ad spend. Yeah, that's in the same pace. Um, uh, as you say, so um, yeah, standard media index have crunched some numbers for the Oz, and what they seem to suggest is that banks, and particularly their home loan advertising, has really been falling. So for the three months up to June the thirtieth, uh, down about twelve point five percent. Now I think that says as much as anything um, about the bank's appetite for um competing for new home loans when their margins are, are that 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 bit smaller at the moment and the fact that they're actually not looking to necessarily take share off other banks so i i suspect it's a function of them having less noise to make about that one and a final topic sticking with television also in the australian over the weekend the abc's advertising spend has surged in the last year to nine million dollars how can they justify that well, that's that's a good question because it sounds like a lot, doesn't it? Particularly an increase, but but you know, I, I guess my view in the scheme of things, spending you know eight or nine million, um, what's the precise number? Eight point two nine million is the number the Australian um, are, are giving to try and get people to be aware and to watch. The, the the content that the ABC is making or to, to go online or t- to listen to all of the kind of audio and radio output, that's probably money well spent on a budget of give or take a billion dollars. You know, you can't just make it and expect people to come. Um, and, you know, we've we've covered a lot the concerns and the issues over um, finding audiences, particularly younger audiences. So, so I suppose if I think about it, my question is, is, isn't so much how can you justify it as how can you justify spending so little? I guess I've got a question for Sedja, who's the producer and has been listening in. Sedja, is this more of a, a content issue than an awareness issue in your view? Well, I posed a question to someone who's a real authority in ABC programming when I interviewed him last week. It was Barry Cassidy, obviously the former host of One Plus One and Insiders. And he had a lot of really interesting thoughts on the ABC's ability to maintain generational relevance. Uh, and he also had some pretty you know, pointed thoughts about the quality of the programming and whether it's able to live up to its legacy, so to speak. Mm. And that'll be coming out in a podcast in the next week or so. So I'll be interested to hear his thoughts around that. But uh, that is it for today. Sedger and Tim, thank you. We'd love to hear what you think at letters at unmade.media. That's letters at unmade.media. And Sedger will be back tomorrow with Tuesdata, tackling the economics of Matilda's mania. Don't forget, if you want to support Unmade, you can become a paying member. Go to unmade.media to find out how. Today's podcast was produced with the usual enthusiastic support of Abe's Audio. See you next time. Toodlepip. Unmade. Podcast edit by Abe's Audio.